So great, isn't it? Having a December election on the 11th day of December. My true love gave to me a Tory majority. It's going to be all sorts of that sort of fun. I we, finally they've got round to it, you know, like uh, like that bit in Anchorman, you know, when all the different crews arrive in the car park and they get ready to throw down. It seems like it seems like the election is on at this point. But I've recorded this. Who fucking knows? You know what I mean? It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be me this week because I just thought you know there's so much political election stuff to catch up on. There's so many other great stories knocking around. I just wanted to uh, really get to grips with it. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, this is coming from the I don't know. You could call it the non woke end of comedy, but it's just a, just a normal bloke. Do you know what I mean? Interested in politics. I don't think I'm an arsehole, but a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Having said that, uh, thank you to everybody that came to the recent tour shows in Leeds, uh, York and Aberdeen. They were they were really fun shows. And, and many of you will know on this podcast and who've been to the live, show, the live shows that I was begging for an audience in Aberdeen. And by God, I fucking got one. I mean, it was the room. I mean, it wasn't packed, right? There was there was there was leg room. Everywhere. I mean, something you could have had your own row, but there was a decent-sized audience, and they were, and more importantly, they were a brilliant audience. Uh, in Leeds, Leeds was great. It was in the City Varieties Theatre. There, it was a big room, but we had a really good turnout. You know, for me, given that uh, you know, a few years ago, well, last year, I just I barely got to hundred people in Leeds, and we had well over three hundred there, so that was great. Uh, on York as well, York. In fact, I'm going to do York was great. York sold out and was just a really fun show at the Crescent there. So I'm going to do uh, my thank you and fuck you for this week. I want to thank you to the people of York. who just They're just really nice. Do you live in York? Why is everyone so fucking happy up in York? Why? You know what I mean? They're just... Everyone's all talkative. Not, not in that kind of normal northern, like, I need to speak to every single person I meet about the weather. Talkative. Right? They just, they just seemed happy. Is, is there some specific reason why the quality of life in York is higher? Let me know. I do have an email address, by by the way. It's what most people think UK at gmail.com. If you're from York and you want to explain why you're all kind of walking around whistling zippity doodle out of your fucking bums, then tell me. Then tell me. And I, I stuck around and had a drink afterwards with some punters in York. So if you are listening, um, hello, that was fun, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was really interesting, you know, because a lot of people, I don't know what they think my audience would be. But we had a couple that were from Red Car. They were uh, Brexit Party voters. Uh, very nice. Diane, I can't remember her first name. I think it was John. And uh, then we had a very Remain couple uh, who were a white guy and a mixed race lady. I only mention this because the other couple were uh, two women in a relationship, right? Lesbians, right? And I just thought, this is, see, people think, they wouldn't think that I get this crowd. You know what I mean? But this, right now, this looks like the end of one of those Channel 4 programs. You know what I mean? Where they've just swapped lives or something for a couple of weeks and they all get together and they kind of go, you know, when I met yous, I didn't fucking like yous. But in the end, we're, we're all the fucking same. <laughs> um, so that was really fun. I stayed there and I, luckily I got out of there because I had to do Radio 4 
um, early in the morning. But I did, if you heard me on broadcasting house, I was hungover. I was feeling rough, but I don't know, I did all right. So maybe maybe I've realised that the key uh, to delivering the goods on radio is to just be just be anxious, really, and on the verge of a, of a panic attack. Um, fuck you goes out to... Uh, this one, this, I know most of these come from trains, but I just... One is people that can't take their seats quickly on a train. Have you, when you pull into a station and pull away, it's, it's like 11 minutes before everyone's taken their seats. Yeah, every, you know, they just piss about with the seat numbers, someone's sitting in their seat, they can't pluck up the courage to boot them out, and then they've got to make sure that every part of their being is is in synchronicity and harmony before they actually take the seat. God forbid that you could just take the seat and get yourself sorted once you're sitting down. No, these people have got to, you know, do a fucking costume change, you know, get out their little pocket, <laughs> travel scrabble. What uh, the fuck is wrong with you, man? And also, you know, there's... Uh, on trains, there's ad- adults who, who play things at top volume. Now, I sort of get it. You know, it's annoying when teenagers play things out of their phones. But be honest, right? If you was a teenager now and you could just play music out of your phone and be annoying, you would do it. Like, it's exactly the sort of thing that teenagers are supposed to do. I find that the worst one is when you hear someone playing, like, some, you know, retro Sonic the Hedgehog game. It's got that annoying Sonic the Hedgehog tune. And you just put your head up like some little angry meerkat. You look around the carriage, confidently expecting to find some shitty-nosed teenager, and, and there's like, like a 40-year-old woman. You're like, why wouldn't you know how annoying this is? Okay, you're middle-aged too. You know how aggravating life is at this point. Okay, bills are getting higher. Energy's going up. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're keeping a beady eye on the property prices. You should, at the very least, you should do... It's turned down the volume, but you're a fucking fully grown... Sorry, I'm, I, I've been pulled up for my swearing a lot on this, but I, I do swear a lot, you know? So I I, I will try and keep a, an eye. So, yeah, the fuck you this week. <laughs> I knew that was ironic. Goes to those people. Okay, well, look, as I'm recording this, uh, it seems that the vote is going to go the way of uh, December 11th or 12th election. So let's have a quick talk about politics and hopefully not too much has fucking sorry, not too much has changed. So December election, right? But it just means as much as I'm politically engaged, there is a part of me that's just a normal person as well that thinks, do I want that? In mid-December, I want to be... What do I want to be doing at that point? I want to be... You know, I want to be watching animated films. You know, it's, it's a lot of reasons not to open the door, isn't it? It's a lot of reasons not to open the door in December. You know, whether you're getting an Amazon package for your neighbour or you just got some, some pricks from Momentum singing, putting Jeremy Corbyn's name into a choir. So They'll do that as well, won't they? But the idea was, the reason why they were, the other parties, the opposition parties, were digging their heels in was because they wanted, they didn't want young people to go home, to have gone home from uni yet. Now, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there and say that in the last week of university, a lot of them are going to have gone home already anyway. Because what, you, what are you hanging around for? Do you know what I mean? It's December, you could go home, you know, you, you've been on the piss. I don't, I don't know, I mean, these are stereotypes about students that probably aren't true now. Um... But, you, you know, you could go home and just have your mum running around. Or your dad. Okay, because dads cook food too now. They do, but... In the nice, cosy, rose-tinted view of the past, i got it. It'll be your mum. You know, bring you a cheese sandwich while you watch Loose Women or whatever it is. Do students still do that? Watch daytime TV? I just... Well, they're just binging the whole time. Just binging. Just binging on documentaries and 
and very grown-up Netflix shows. No wonder there's such a laugh, right? <laughs> uh, so do they think that, that, that teenagers are going to stay at university and that they're going to vote? In the last week of the December term that they're going to vote, I'm not so sure, right? And my reason, my very unscientific reason for this is that uh, when I was in Bristol a while ago, um, the, uh, I, an Uber driver took me from the station up to another bit of town. And he was telling me that 90% of his business comes from students. And, and again, students email me in if I'm wrong or right about this. Probably right, let's be honest. But is the it's very very short journeys by Uber. They just go because it's so cheap. They just get, they get an Uber up the shops, get an Uber back. They, they're Uber everywhere. So... I am not sure that that... I know that there's a very small percentage of heavily politically engaged students. There's also a lot of them that really don't give that much of a shit. I think we forget about that with young people now. There's a lot of them that are just like young people always were. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure. And, and the, other, the other thinking about where um, a December election could be negative for the Tories is that old people won't come out now. But I again, I, do you think they'll pass up the opportunity for a chat? Do you know what I mean? Because their families will be all busy getting ready for Christmas, you know, just hoping that the state looks after their old parents rather than them take fucking responsibility for it. Do you think old people are going to pass up a chat in December? You know, the price of heating so high. Obviously, pensioners, you know, they uh, apparently they can't afford it, so they'll just they'll just go and sit in the polling station. They'll be having a have a rare old time, you know, take uh, take some dominoes with them. Maybe have a drip. Make a day of it. Maybe this is what we need to do to to get turnout higher. Is we need to put a bar in polling booths, right? Not you can't have a drink beforehand, but just just you can have a drink afterwards. Have a little chat, you know. That's because they always do the exit polls, don't they? Just maybe doing when people are off to like, just absolutely steaming. <laughs> now. Obviously, the SNP have become uh, more of a noisy force in Westminster. Ian Blackford, Ian Blackford, he's uh, even on Super Saturday the other week. He uh, that was weird, by the way. Super Saturday, I was into it, man. I was into it. I should have been listening to the football, but there I was again. Just like just like with Jeffrey Cox's speech, I I, I did not. I did not touch that dial, and it was all a bit of a damn squib, wasn't it? In the end, because they put in the Oliver Letwin. Putting his record, yeah, I'll tell you something, man. It comes to something you see left wing MPs hiding behind Oliver Letwin's pinning. I mean, there's a lot of strange things that have happened over the course of Brexit, but just seeing them, they don't actually have the balls to put through the uh, the amendments themselves. But you know, when the likes of Dominic Grieve or any of these other Spartan Tories do it, they so suddenly these heartless Tories aren't, aren't so bad after all. The, the people that they presume were universally evil turns out, you know, they can see their way to backing them up on a vote. But anyway, Ian Blackford, is, he's just been monologuing and doing these speeches. I think, I, think he's, I think Ian Blackford is aiming for a viral clip, but he's, he's not that guy. He's not that guy. And everything, he's currently on the lookout for you know, a persuasive um, narrative for the SNP, right? And everything is a kick in the teeth for Scotland. What a kick in the teeth for Scotland that is. You chose to have this vote on a... The 11th rather than the 9th. What an absolute insult to the people of Scotland. It, you, we, we, have the, we have the British Parliament in Westminster. What a disgusting... We should have it in, in Perth. What a dis- He thinks everything is a kick in. I wonder if he's like that. Just, you know... You know, like you get those one of those guys in a friendship group. 
They just take stuff personally. Everyone looks around and goes, has he got the answer about this? What an absolute kick in the teeth that I was the last person added to the all-male stag do WhatsApp group. What a kick in the teeth for Scotland that was. I don't know. I think the SMP, right, is that they, they sort of get away because there's a lot of things not going that well in Scotland, but they sort of get away on one level with the fact that they can kind of push some of the blame onto West Monster. Hey, West Monster. But they, <clears throat> here's another thing as well. They love being in London now. The worst thing is watching them having to pretend that they still hate it, like they're against it. They love a fucking itsu at lunch like the rest of us. You know what I mean? They know exactly what they're buying when they're going to Pret now. I'm not saying that Scotland doesn't have Pretz, but you know what I mean? A lot of Scotland doesn't have Pret. I am actually saying that. But the, they, you look at the percentage of the national vote that it take, took for the SNP to get pretty much every MP in Scotland. I just think it's a sweet deal. You know, it's actually a sweet deal for the SNP. And once they get independence, you know, the focus and the culpability is going to fall squarely on them. And, you know, they, they apparently they want to get this election done because uh, there's this investigation coming up into um, into Alex Salmond, right? And uh, it's going to get very grubby. It's very grubby. And I heard today, not because I was in and around the palaces of Westminster today, and the word on the street is that old Nicola, lovely Nicola, who the uh, middle class, the liberal middle class Londoners absolutely adore, even though she's a nationalist who wants to effectively take Scotland out of a single market, right? But she's just, I just love Nicola. You know, she's just so reasonable and nice. and She's funny. She's funny. Um, well, Nicola apparently has her grubby hands all over the um, Alex Salmond uh, affair. So when that, when that, when that uh, inquiry starts, oh, Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah? She's going to, uh, her halo might slip. I don't know. These are all, this is all rumour, scurrilous. I don't know, but I heard it from a good source. And Lib Dems, right? The Lib Dems are um, their 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 whole thing now is about revoking, uh, and obviously that's got them that's got them a, an improved share of the vote. A lot of people I know are going to vote Lib Dem. No one seems to know what their domestic agenda is, right? At least you know the other parties. There is some sort of sense of of what they would do. I, I don't I don't have any idea that the Lib Dems have not cut through with any sort of national policy. Agenda, and they are in this weird situation where they've become a kind of tentpole for for people that just love Europe. You know what I mean? People that just don't respect the Brexit vote and uh, just think you know you should go all out revoke. And I think that when when Brexit is done one way or another, it's going to be a strange moment for them, isn't it? It's, it's going to be like the uh, it's going to be like the lights coming on at a rave, isn't it? <laughs> They're going to be like looking around, going, "Oh my god, I was I was hugging that guy a minute ago. He's a prick, man." Was it? Was I, was I getting a massage off Vince Cable? Jesus, man. How strong were those pills? Was that definitely a half? But the Lib Dems, they are, they are on the front foot. And Joe Swinson, Joe Swinson, you, uh, I might have mentioned this before, but you've got to say both her names. Joe Swinson. Joe Swinson. It, does, I, I, it still doesn't sound like the leader of a political party, does it? Sounds more like a left back for Derby County. You know, Joe Swinson. The young left-back Joe Swinson made his debut and was instrumental in setting up the third goal for Derby, which came in the 28th minute. That was me doing my impression of a local BBC Radio News football reporter. Have you ever, have you ever read that? You suddenly realise when they go round the grounds, you suddenly realise, you think, I, I'm just imagining that this is just the same bloke, because they, they all sound the same, don't they? 
Yes, goal news here at Villa Park. It finally came. They were knocking at the door. And after a while, um, Agba, Gabriel, Agba, my, I, I don't know any footballers in the top flight anymore. Do you know who I was actually thinking about then? I was going to say Tony Daly. I mean, how far back does that go? Do you remember his hair? That was some hair. He looked like a fucking Jackson 5 member. He was, uh, that guy was ahead of his time. He had styling going on. Um... So the Lib Dems, yeah, they, they're going to pick up some vote. I mean, just remember, though, that some Lib Dems did actually vote leave. That seems to get lost in the mix. Apparently, 30%, a third of Lib Dems voted leave. But it's always it's always glossed over that, isn't it? They just bollocks to them as well. Bollocks to Brexit. Bollocks to our own voters that voted for Brexit. Um, but the Lib Dems, of course, they're saying that they're going to revoke Article 50 if they're in power, which is probably the biggest if in political history. Um, and I think the Greens could do. I think the Greens could do okay because what you're going to have, right, is there's a lot of people on Liberal left. They like when they vote. They like their vote to feel good about themselves because they like thinking that they're good people. You know, when they walk out of the polling booth, they like a little sniff of the air, a little spring in their step. Yes, I'm, I'm nice. I voted for. I voted for the goodies again. I always vote for the goodies, but it's going to be tricky for them because you know Labour are obviously now tainted with the uh, well, just tainted generally, but with the anti-Semitism, and, well, just lots of things, right? Lots of things. Uh, the Lib Dems, some of them will still hold the Lib Dems culpable for uh, being in a coalition with the Tories and introducing tuition fees, even though Labour actually, in- well, no, trebling tuition fees, even though Labour actually introduced them, which I always think is kind of worse than extending them, actually crossing the line. But anyway, but I think, this, I think they'll vote, I think they'll vote Green. They will. They'll just, they'll just vote green. They'll just a little tick on the green. They'll just walk out going, yeah. Because Extinction Rebellion would have made them, you know, just... Yeah, I just think... I think it's... I'm really, I really love the passion of these kids. You know, I think it's great. I think it's great that they're out there fucking gluing their nipples to tube trains. You know, I think that that is definitely <laughs> cutting through with the public. Another night about Extinction Rebellion, man. They got their fingers burnt, didn't they? I can't remember if we've done a podcast since all that business happened with them standing on the tube at Cannon Town. That was dumb. That was really dumb. But they, I think it was a moment of hubris because this was the point. The, the kind of like metropolitan liberal press were egging them on and just, just blowing smoke up their arse. And it was just an act of hubris. So they go like, well, let's stand on a tube at Canning Town. And they have, they've gone back in their box a little bit. Either that or it just got a bit cold. So now, ironically, they're all sitting huddled around an electric fire. But... But yeah, the Greens, the Greens could do okay. Even though, again, like the Lib Dems, they don't have anything resembling uh, a domestic agenda. They, I mean, they definitely don't have a defence policy, do they? I don't, I've always wondered what the Greens... Like, just say, for example, right, they won a majority in Parliament. I mean, one... <laughs> I quite like to see how people... How the people have voted them. I'd just like to see what colour they went, you know, when... When they uh, they probably go even whiter, which would upset them because obviously Germany they think white people are evil. But they would be what was that? What would be their policy? That that you know what? Def, what would be their defence policy? That what are you gonna do? Just fucking lob compost at the Russians? I don't I don't understand. It must be nice being a single issue party. It must because you don't really have to account for all. All the other stuff. It's the same with the Brexit Party to a point, isn't it? I mean, the Brexit Party have got really disparate elements within it. Like on the hard left, you've got people like passionate socialists, maybe even communists like Claire Fox, 
who I know, she's a great woman, but she, she's a pretty hard line, man. And then on the other side, you know, you've got Anne Widdicombe. I don't know what that economic policy is, right? <laughs> I don't know what. Well, you know, they're, but they're called the Brexit Party. That's that's the thing. They're just gonna they're gonna do Brexit, and then but if they if they do well, you know, Nigel certainly seems to like the rallies. I mean, he's a bit like Jeremy in that respect. They just they like campaigning. You know what I mean? They're not like they're not comics. They're not those comics that are going to write every week and do all the panel shows and stuff. They like getting out on the road. Yeah, I'll give them that. Both of them, fucking road warriors. Corbyn never happier than when he's eating a an egg and cress sandwich at Lee Delamere Services on, on the way to a rally in Chippenham. Yeah, that's when he feels alive. His little team round him, little team round him that agree with everything he says. He doesn't have the inconvenience of having to actually win anybody over. He just gets out there, you know, and just starts... Did you see how happy Corbyn was when they said that Labour were back in the election? He was just like, this is, this is what he does it for. He thinks he's gonna get. He thinks he's gonna get another Glastonbury out of it. He's not. Maybe on the John Peel stage this time. Um, but I think that I think a few things will happen with Labour. The, fir- the first of which is like they haven't changed their offer to the electorate, right? Now I know that they have got policies that are broadly speaking quite popular. And renationalisation of the trains, spending, you know, free stuff is surprise, surprise, quite popular with young people. But you. The, the offer that they're making in terms of leadership and the brand of the party has been the same. It, it hasn't changed. I mean, his front four are still him, McDonald, Abbott, Thornbury. Just hasn't changed. And a lot of people, you know, and of course it will be put down to racial prejudice, and it's not in my case, and in most people's case, I would say, the idea of Diane Abbott as Home Secretary is frightening. Okay, and it's not that she hasn't done amazing thing in politics, and she wasn't that she was a firebrand, but she seems incredibly disengaged. Like when you see her, like I, I, I know that face. She tapped out. She, ta- she was out. Do you know what I mean? She was out of the Labour Party almost. She's like you know, like you know, in the Godfather films, <laughs> Michael was almost down. They dragged him back in, and then, and she was like, she had the little gig with Andrew Neil on this week, and then. Should have been strictly next. It's fine. She earned that right. She earned it. But then suddenly, just be, just being like, just like one day before retirement, suddenly you're potentially one of the most powerful people in Britain. I, and to me, I don't even give a shit about Diane Abacus and the numbers thing. I don't, I don't, you know, if she's not good at mass, I don't think that that necessarily precludes you being a decent home secretary. My, my worry is, is attitude. You know what I mean? She... Who's that Arsenal player that threw a massive, massive wobbly that got substituted? I, that's, that's who she is to me. I mean, I just don't think... I, she's not going to quit the role, but she is certainly not up for the fight, it seems. And John McDonnell, well, he's, he's just going to get angrier and angrier. Because what he's sort of realising, John McDonnell, is that in a, in a shock twist in politics that you have to sort of move towards the centre a little bit if you want any realistic chance of power. But he's such a hard-line Marxist that, that he'll be suppressing... So much emotion, so much emotion as it goes, he will just end up sticking the nut on Andrew Marr. It will happen on live telly. It'll be like a scene in The Joker at the end. He'll just bang, he'll just bang him out. He's shocking. He'll just rip off his suit. I, 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 I probably share that with him. I, I don't think he likes wearing a suit, but he wears it and he'll just start beating his chest and just and singing, keep the red flag. He'll just sing the, the Soviet Union national. Anthem 
Was there one? It was Russian. Anyway, I'm thinking about Rocky IV. Doesn't matter. So, I, yeah, I do, it's a very hard election to call this because I think that there will be movements across the floor in all directions from, vlo- from uh, voters, right? But one of the things is, I think a problem for the Tories might be Labour voters are incredibly tribal, you know? They're more so than Tories, I would say. They just vote. When it comes down to it, I know what they're like. They'll get in the booth and they'll just go, I've got to vote Labour. I've always voted Labour. You know, just like I did in 2017, you know, Theresa was far ahead. I know Boris will fight a better campaign than Theresa. But particularly up north, you're just asking a lot for northern voters to, to vote Tory. And I know, I know things are changing, but I just, I don't know. I think, I think it'd be, this is where the Brexit party might end up doing all right because people think, well, I'm, I'll sort of vote for Brexit, but in a party that didn't shut down the pit where my old man worked. <laughs> I'll vote for a version of the same idea that didn't unleash horses at Ormskirk or Grave or wherever this, this legendary battle was between the miners and the old bill. Where was it? Ormsdale, Ormsgrave. It was very northern sounding. It was very northern As I was on the train the other day, I was going through, I went through Morpeth and I sort of thought, that has got to be the most northern sounding town in Britain. Morpeth, it just uh, north of Newcastle, that is, but not Scotland. That's a weird place to be. But anyway, those are the places that the Tories will have to win seats in to win the election. But you know, the podcast is called What Most People Think, and very soon we're going to find out. Okay, just a quick plug for tour dates and stuff like that. Uh, the new spring dates are up and they're selling well. There are some places that I would say already are looking likely to sell out uh, in due course. Uh, Maidenhead, um, Norwich, Leicester Square Theatre, Worthing Theatre, um, Bath. There's a number of them that are always... Just, I'm, not, I'm not big enough to a point where I'm saying I was going to sell out soon because this ain't happening until spring 2020 but if you just absolutely want tickets particularly at Leicester Square Theatre Norwich and Maidenhead I'd say it'd be worth getting in there now because I'm telling you this because what happens it'll sell out and I'll just go oh now just loads of people just taking me on for it like going oh Jeff I tried to get tickets for Norwich and now it's sold out as though that's my fault and the fact that they just they need to take responsibility for their own shit uh, I'm going some interesting places on this tour right they are I'm going to be honest right I thought my geography of this country was okay but I am going to some places that, that frankly, I've never heard of, that I, I didn't know existed, right? And I'm going to Verwood, right? I don't any, any guesses where Verwood is? I don't know. Sounds nice. Sounds a bit made up. I'm going to uh, Stourport. Sounds Midlands-y. I'm thinking of Stourbridge. Stourport on the 7? On the 7? Is that Shrewsbury? Is it? I don't know. I'm going to Wrexham. Now, I know where that is. But um, I think that's going to be a tricky one to sell. So if you live in Wrexham, okay, it's quite a big venue, that one. I don't want Wrexham becoming the new Aberdeen, right? I'm going to... Uh, well, actually, all those other places, I know. Lyme Regis. That was just one of those seaside places that I heard a lot growing up. And then I just realised I'd never really credited it as a real place. So there's going to be some tricky accents to learn here if I'm going to take the piss out of them. So if you, if you have any idea what the Lyme Regis accent is or the Verwood accent is, uh, then, then give me a shout um, because I think I think Verwood is made up. I think this is a big practical joke on me and I'm going to be a victim of some shit prank show on Channel 5 hosted by Justin Lee Collins, who's been exonerated from being a creep, creepy pervert.
Was he a creeper? I think he was convicted. Yeah, fuck him. What most people think. We had another one of these joke issues where somebody gets upset about a joke. It was Paul Hollywood this time on the Great British Bake Off. Because that's obviously, you know, a real hotbed for controversial humour there. <laughs> I'm almost jealous that with these people. That, yeah, it's what you want as a comic. But it's where basically he made a joke and uh, it, was, it was a whole plate of very, very sugary snacks. Um, which I'd imagine was most things on the Great British Bake Off, but he said, there goes diability, uh, he said, there goes diabetes on a plate, right? And of course, people are upset, this is upsetting, this is offensive, this is hurtful, because words, it's hurtful to people with diabetes to be reminded that there is a way of getting diabetes that involves eating sugar, because they don't know that, they don't know that. And when you say it, it's painful for them to find out this thing that no one had ever told them. And did the thing about, right, in life, in life, you hear that comment about diabetes, a very commonly made joke among grown-ups, right? This show's on after the watershed, isn't it? Why should TV have to tread on eggshells? This is one problem where terrestrial t TV runs into trouble. Is it has to speak a language that is not common to the world at large because 0.4% of people give a toss about this kind of... This kind of thing. Why don't get people treading on eggshells? And is eggshells okay as a comment? Is that okay with vegans? Or maybe I should be treading on almond shells, right? Or Brazil nuts. He's not saying that diabetes is great, is he? I mean, the only way that that would be offensive is if there was some sort of viewpoint there that implied that he, he was mocking sufferers of diabetes, you know? If he wore a diabetes is hilarious cap then I would think that there would be uh, some cause to, for censure, right? And, and type, type 2 diabetes is, is a huge problem. It's, it's the, one of the fastest growing drains on the NHS. Maybe, right, maybe this is the exact time that we should be making diabetes jokes. Maybe we should be making more diabetes jokes. Maybe the reason we're in this trouble is because the, we didn't have enough. You know, when, when British Bake Off was on you know, BBC One, right, I don't remember any diabetes jokes. Look at the stats on diabetes. Maybe BBC One's version of Bake Off was partly to blame. So maybe there's this sort of guilt coming out in the role that... Because I don't know about you. When I watch Great British Bake Off, I sit there and I think, God, I wish I could bake. So then I go to the road and get some uh, Mr. Kipling fancy fingers or something. <laughs> there's a long way between the aspiration and what I end up with. You know, I might just, might just end up eating like some... Uh, some celebrations or something <laughs> but in my mind I'm still in the same world as what they're eating it's what and he apologised he apologised What? just don't ever just don't ever apologise it is it's shameful I think when they apologise and I, I know what the PR people say like the PR people just will advise you to do that because that makes their job easier doesn't it it signs it off like they've got this little thing in their inbox on their you know up on their little thought board that says Paul Hollywood diabetes thing and they just want to cross it off right so once you apologise but this, you're just pandering to these idiots they're just they're just going to get upset about something else then aren't they and it's not helpful to them is it because the problem they've got is they might be able to score a win in the online world but real life is never going to give a toss to the same degree you know <laughs> like they could they could make something trend but then in real life they you know, a family do, they try and pull up someone for a call. Can you imagine, you know, if somebody, oh, look at that diabetes on a plate, and they're like, actually, Roger, I think that's really offensive to people with diabetes. Everyone goes, shut up. 
You know? So this is why they do it. They do it from the safe space behind their keyboard. I think that... I'd like it if I'd like it if Bake Off went more like that. I think it could do more edgy jokes along those lines. You know what I mean? Like it's colon cancer on a plate. <laughs> Imagine that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be amazing if Paul Hollywood doubled down. Yeah, <laughs> there's sectarian. <laughs> if they had something that had a religious thing, there's sectarian war on a plate. I think every week he should just do an on a plate gag that could offend somebody and just be, he could become known as like some weird edgelord of, of baking food related TV and then he could just go on a tour and he could sort of get some of that Jim Jeffries crowd, you know? I mean, they, they do all those terrible innuendos on Bake Off, don't they? So, so well, that's, that's somehow all right, is it? But they, they, they talk about sticky fingers. You go, well, let's unpack that a little bit. You, you, talk, about, you talk about fingering someone there. Is that what you're saying? Because I think it is, because otherwise it doesn't work as a joke, does it? You know, every, every time they do a little gag about how moist something is, that's always, that's always about, I mean, a lot of these do some come down to uh, vaginal uh, excretion. Sorry, that was a disgusting thing to say, but um, I, could have, I could have used another phrase. The point is, is that what we need is we need a protocol whereby if, as adults, we realise that somebody has made a comment that really wasn't meant to be hurtful and doesn't actually endorse hateful attitudes against someone and was in fact just a joke, then I think what most people think is that we should unite behind that person and we should show his strength rather than being like the cowardly majority that we are. So you, it's your duty to stand up against this shit, okay? It's all of our duty that when Paul, if Paul Hollywood wants to make a diabetes joke, let's encourage him, okay? What, you know, because money talks, numbers talk. Let's all get on Twitter every time there's a joke like that and do all the crying, laughing face emojis and let them know that for all the people that they might be placating or offended, there are a thousand times more people that enjoy being treated as grown-ups. So, just a quick one here. Um, I met a couple recently um, after a gig and we were talking about... Um, the fact that, that they've both gone double-barreled names. And I've, I've had this experience before with a man and a wife where the woman talks about him taking the name with a lot of enthusiasm. The guy sort of seems enthusiastic, but there's this look in his eyes that, like, he's... I don't know, like... I'm not saying he's being held hostage, but I think if someone was held hostage, that you know, that they're trying to plead with you with their eyes, like... You know, like in a film, Get Out, <laughs> where he's being held against his will. It... I, the guy, I think, I think that's what's happening. I, I, and I know that there are a lot of guys. I, I cannot perhaps glimpse too far into the beta male mindset that genuinely is happy. So if you're marrying a woman, she just says, "Oh, you know, I, I think I'm gonna go double barreled," and you go, "Okay, you, all right, if you if you want to go double barreled," and she's like, "No, I just think it'd be nice if if you went double barreled as well." Now, I it's dangerous to presume too much. I'm struggling to find. A context where the guy doesn't feel that she's wearing his balls as earrings a little bit, then, you know, because he's going to have a spectrum of friends, isn't he? Like all men, he's going to have a spectrum of friends. When he goes, maybe with the other kind of beta male guys, you know, the other Gavins, they have a little chat about it, and they'll all pretend that it's all right. So at least they'll do the courtesy of, of pretending that there's nothing wrong with that. But he's going to have, you know, more blokey bloke mates. And you're just going back into work and you're just saying, what's your name? Hey, so, so Gavin Smith. 
No, uh, no, Alan, it's actually now Gavin Dundonald Smith. You, go, you know what there'll be? There'll be this little silence. <laughs> there'll be just this little silence where like, they just, you just feel like... You know when you feel embarrassed for someone and ashamed? Like you, they won't be able to make eye contact for a while. And he'll probably overcompensate then. He'll go, no, it's just, you know, it's, I think it's really great, actually. I think it's really great, actually. And the word actually gives you a clue that he doesn't actually think that. I know, I just think it's great. But you think, when I, I, I think about Double Barrel, right? I would actually rather, if it was me, I'd rather just take her surname fully. Because I think that when you go Double Barreled, you're only postponing a problem for a future generation. Once you get a whole class full of all of them with Double Barreled names, where'd you go after that? You can't have quadruple... You know, how long is the register going to take eventually with these kids? You know, Amy Huxley, Sanderson, King, Norcott. That is ridiculous. It just sounds like you're just reading out a phone directory. You know? And why should it... I mean, when I was younger... When I was younger... <laughs> I really am a trainee gammon, man. I'm getting, I'm getting so angry about everything. It's exciting. It's the only time I feel alive getting angry. That's what you got to understand about gammons, right? Being furious is how we create adrenaline to stop us feeling like we're closer to death. When I was younger, double-barreled names meant something. You know, it meant you were posh. Now what does it mean? It means that you, your dad just, just didn't know how to articulate his, <laughs> his aversion to, uh, to a change in tradition. You know? That's what happens when you have the wedding, you know, when people... I suppose you should be able to be selective about traditions. I don't know why I'm getting so annoyed about this. I'm married. My wife took my name. And um, she seemed to quite like that process, actually. You know? It's quite, it's quite a re renewing thing, just changing your name, you know? So you change it on all the passports and stuff like that. And I, I, should, yeah, I should, probably should have thanked her more for doing that. You know, let's hope she doesn't change it again. That's, my, that's your focus as a man is if you are lucky enough to have a wife these days that change her, just make sure it stays that way. You know, because if, if, you, if you're a shit husband and she divorces you, the next woman you meet, she might be all about putting, putting her name on you. And I know, I, know, I know that it relates to an old-fashioned idea of women as men's property, but we all know that's not really how it is now, don't we? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if that was where it came from. We know... That that is not the era that we're living in. You look at men's faces these days. I know there's some old patriarchal style men with power. You know the one percenters. But look at most men. Just just look, just look standing on a on a train platform. You know what I mean? Just have a look at the men. Do they look like they're they're owning? You know the the kings of their empires now. Do they look like that? No. You know I think women are women are on balance. Women are just happier, just chattier. <laughs> it's just have a chat so I, I want to hear again you know email in what most people think uk at gmail.com I want to hear from any men that have gone for the double barrel name you can email in anonymously <laughs> if you want you know like or do one of those um those you know where they, they slightly change the voice on those clips yeah first time <laughs> the first time that she brought it up I thought she was joking and but then I realised she was serious. I couldn't show my face at the football club again. I don't know how that, that sounds. Does that just sound like I've um, got some sort of motor neuron dysfunction? Um, just have a guy pixelated. <laughs> we'll call this man Mr X, which is another name that she suggested that he had. Because she, she was just seeing what she could get away with at that point.
the problem, men. You know, it's great that women have got more power recently, but you know, they, you, you got there are limits. There are limits. Just say, look, this is a line in the sand. The name thing stays. Okay. There's not much to ask. Yeah, equal pay, equal everything else. But let's just let's just stick with the name thing for practical reasons. Our future generations will not thank us when it takes them 48 minutes to fill out their landing card. I'm gonna do a quick men's mental health here. I haven't done this for a little while. Um, I was just thinking about blokes working away from home, you know? Because I've you know, i been touring at the back end of the week now and spending three, four days away. And there is that weird thing. I don't know if other blokes get this, but something about basic the basic existence element of that that, that is quite easy for men, I think. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you don't have to do anything for anyone. It's just on a selfish level, you know, you just, you just sit in a hotel and you have baths and wanks, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if other blokes roll like that. Baths, wanks, and you, you watch four hours of some show on Netflix. And it's very easy to think that that is an, you know, a good way to live. It's not, you know what I mean? There's no, you know, I miss, I miss my wife and miss my kid. But what happens is my brain gets into a mode. Do you know what I mean? I shut down and I become this creature that can do two things, which is be in a hotel room and pass time or on trains and pass time or on stage doing a show. And then you come back and you have to assimilate back into family life, right? Or whatever kind of relationship you're in, you know, you have to get back to that mode. And I sometimes find that mode, it takes, it takes a while. One, one reason being is because a woman often finds you being away better as well. You know, she's like, shit, I just, you know, I've, I had less shit to pick up or, do you know what I mean? It was just, it was less smelly. Let's be honest, you know, men do smell on balance a bit more than women. Even though women, statistically, don't bath or shower as much as men. What's all that about? You ask a woman this, right? confront her about it and then they start laughing they get embarrassed because they know it's true they women are some smelly bitches mate they <laughs> they because they don't sweat as much they can get away with it right because if, if i was to go a day and a half do you know what i mean i would be honking so i have to i have to clean myself it's women because the reason is right it's because it's more of an issue for them than moisturizing and, and the processing the 20 quid bottle of shampoo that they've got to use half a thing of condition every single time they watch it their head. They've got to do all this stuff. So it's a bit of a mission, right? So a lot of them, in the face of that, they just don't do it. That's not acceptable, is it? Three, four days. I mean, she won't thank me for saying this, but my sister, I remember we went to Munich Beer Festival one year and she just, I don't think she showered the whole time we were there. And I was just, you know, I was mid, mid-20s by then. I felt, like, I felt like I hadn't ever known her. You know what I mean? She went, she went feral. And I think that, you know, like coming back to your, your family life must be tricky. So if you're like, you know, blokes that go away in the army or work on oil rigs, how do you get present? Because it always reminds me of that, that clip in the, um, the, the Hurt Locker. Do you remember that? So the guy's there, you know, he's at the sharp end of it. He's, he's wearing the bomb suit. He's, he's living life and death every day. And then he has two weeks R&R. And he's just like in a, a supermarket. He just looks so fucking dazed. And I know that look, not not in terms of... Uh, but, you know, like recently when I was doing Mash Report and that took a lot of prep, you know what I mean? I was doing tour shows and I was, you know, I was getting on planes and in hotels. I felt like, uh, you know, I felt like a big shit. I felt like a big deal. And then, and then suddenly, do you know what I mean? You're doing bedtime stories and stuff like that. It's definitely like what you want to be doing. It's definitely, but... But it's just it's just a violent transition, isn't it? It's a violent transition from you on stage in front of a few hundred people. It just 
who are just giving you credit for stuff that you haven't really earned. And then, and then you know, in family life, of course, you have to earn that credit by being present, right? And how do you do that? Present. I mean, I'm meditation. I've tried it for years, off and on, and it does help and stuff. But it's just like I don't know. I feel like if I had ten minutes spare, I'd just be. I'd look. You know what I mean? I'd just be watching Sky Sports News or something. I'd do, meditation. It's it's hard. But then every time I do it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I do feel like a bit more clarity. So maybe. Maybe just, yeah, maybe that's it. Just 10 minutes, just have a little meditation. Although I can't do the guided ones because eventually their voice just starts pissing me off. You know, I might mention this before, but they're always like, they're trying too hard to be gentle. Breathe in to the count of seven. Hold it to the count of 14. 14? That's completely unrealistic about how long people can hold a breath for. Breathe out to the count of Wednesday. You're like, no one breathes like this. I get panicky. Maybe this is why I need to meditate. But I, I breathe in that long and then I think, what well, if I don't breathe out, what's going to happen? I have to breathe out. <laughs> so maybe I'm giving this level of over-analysis is perhaps a very strong argument for a man that needs to meditate. But I guess what I'm saying is, if you are one of these guys that, that routinely works away longer periods than someone like me, is that maybe meditation is worth it. But, but good luck, you know, when you get back getting that because you've been away for a while everyone wants to catch up so you just go uh, hi everybody uh, I'm just I'm just gonna go hey family yeah yeah I know I've been away six weeks I'm just gonna go upstairs and uh for 15 minutes and everyone just be like what I just think that we just think you're gonna crack one out you just think what the fuck he was away all that time and then his first thought is to go and masturbate upstairs so you know another issue is time when you've got a wife and a, a kid and they, they, they deserve your time and you, you want to give them your time. But I'm just wondering if there's a better way when you've been away for a while of, of transitioning back, you know? And getting that dumb look off your face, which no doubt winds your partner up. You know, that kind of that, that just staring ahead, that, that hurt look of face. <laughs> I don't know. All you can do is keep trying. Okay, the letters. Now, I didn't actually have any letters this week. I had one letter. So again, email in with problems. I love talking about the, the letter, other people's problems. I love it. Um, what most people you think UK at gmail.com. Just, just anything, anything you want me to talk about. Luckily, I did get one uh, letter, which is about, of course, the mythical or the fictional, the hypothetical political fights. And this one was from, from Russell in Hounslow. And it says, uh, who would win in a fight? between Michael Gove and Jeremy Corbyn. I, I like what Russell's done here, is that not only is he, has he got people from diametrically opposed sides of politics, I think he's also gone, he's gone like body shape and frame quite similar, you know, so they would both be fly, flyweights, maybe a bit bigger than that. I think Gove, Gove's one of those guys that could be taller than he looks, you know? Everything about him seems like a short man, but... He could be a bit more hench <laughs> than we give credit for. And Corbyn, he's definitely... I don't know what how tall Jeremy Corbyn is. He's quite quite spindly. I'm just going to Google and, and check now. How tall is Corbyn? Let's see if I'm the first person. Oh, no, I'm not the first person. Um, he is 1.75 metres. So what is that in... Uh, fucking 1.75 metres. What kind of... I don't know. Well, that is the same. That is the same height as, as Boris Johnson. That's a surprise, isn't it? 
David Cameron, 1.85. Dave was a big lad. Dave was a big lad. Get this, Farage, only 1.73 metres. So Farage, shorter than Corbyn. That's a shock. Well, anyway, okay. So how tall is Michael Gove? Right. We need to get the tail of the tape right here. We do not seem to have stats on Michael Gove. Michael Gove is six foot. Shut the front door. That is a shocking stat. I'm blown away by that. Six foot. But I had a hunch, didn't I? I had a hunch. He's sort of like a bit of a John Major. So I think that gives Guy Gove the slight height advantage there. And he's a bit stockier. I think, I do think this is Gove all over. Because Gove, and, and I, I admire him a lot as a thinker and as an orator. But he, I think he's, um, I, I think he's got more rage in him. You know, because he's got that kind of, you know, slappable face, right? So, and I imagine it has been slapped, but I think he just started to fight back. You know, when he was about 14 or 15, he'd be like, hold, he'd just look around and go at somebody, hold my recorder. <laughs> and he'd just batter some kid unexpectedly. And then, then people just were a bit more cautious around Govey. Whereas Corbyn, well, he is a pacifist. But then again, you know, like guys that are pacifists, men are always... Quite often, the the absolute opposite of what they try and pretend to be, right? You know, if they say feminist, you know, they actually don't treat women that well. You know, if they're charitable, they're not paying taxes, you know. And if they're, if they're a pacifist, maybe Corbyn is an absolute terror. Like, once he actually flips, like, you have to push him a long way. I reckon he leads with the head. <laughs> I do. I reckon he leads with the nut. He just sticks the unexpected nut on people. Every once in a while, it's happened at Cabinet Me. This is why he hasn't been ousted yet. This is why it's all making sense. They know that when Corbyn goes, he goes, mate. He goes absolute red jez. That's why they call him red jez. It's because of the rages that he flies into. So, I, I would say that is, well, I am now totally confused about this. Gove versus Corbyn. I think being bullied when you're young gives you an underlying toughness. I'm presuming that Gove was that guy. So there you go, Russell. The winner by, on a points decision, is Michael Gove. Okay, that is pretty much it for this week. Like I say, I keep giving you the email address. Uh, Five-star reviews, do those as well. Buy tickets for the tour. Both in autumn. I'm still around in autumn. There's still one. Southampton this Saturday. Uh, still got shows coming up in Monmouth. Cardiff. I haven't mentioned much about Cardiff. That's sold all right, actually. They didn't think I could sell tickets in Cardiff. But there's still room for more. Please come. It's on a Sunday night. It's, uh, Sunday nights ain't great, are they? But come there. Get pissed. Start your week badly. Uh, and so some five-star reviews. I had one from Crosso88. Uh, it, it, amongst what he said in his review was uh, so refreshing to co- hear a comedian who isn't afraid to speak his mind well I'm a bit we all are I mean we've all got limits it's not that I censor myself it's just I have to ask myself how much time can I spend dicking around defending myself to nutters on Twitter so but yeah listen I certainly on the podcast certainly on the podcast is the place that I'm most free so if you like what I do and you know someone else that like what, likes what I does tell them this is where I come man because all the other stuff there's an edit there's lawyers this is where what well, I am the lawyer here I am the law uh, rhubarb 64 uh, says my missus doesn't like the swearing so maybe you should give her what for in the fuck you section <laughs> how was my swearing this week I don't know actually it wasn't that bad and have I thrown you under a bus here rhubarb 64 um, 
and maybe you should give her a what for is a beautifully 1970s phrase there that could mean a number of things but let, let's let's take it that you meant what it seemed initially that you meant but thank you for that five star review uh rwo123 um i love listening to this when tidy in the kitchen uh it sure beats listening to the music through the baby monitor does that mean if there's a baby monitor, you're supposed to be listening to the baby there's i mean there's two <laughs> I mean, look, I, I would recommend the podcast as well, but if there's a baby at the other end of that, I mean, it might be worth just, you know, it might be worth sending down the music and listening to the baby. Or is the baby playing music? Like just playing some sort of, sort of calypso or something. Um, uh, he also suggests uh, that I stage a Jussie Smollett-style attack. Now, if you don't know about Jussie Smollett, he was this uh, American actor that he would appear, I think, or was it, I think he was pretty much definitely staged an attack on himself, a homophobic racial um, attack. But obviously he got a lot of PR initially for it and a lot of support from the Hollywood community. So he's saying that I should stage an attack on myself by Extinction Rebellion, who should get them to throw a milkshake at me. I've, you know, I've long, I'm, I'm up for it. If there's anybody listening that hates me, then please make my day, punk, by just doing anything. Come into a gig, throw an egg at me. Do you know what I mean? Just, just no platform, all walk out during the middle of my gig. If you've already paid for the tickets, I don't, do not give a shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit. So listen, thank you for the people that have uh, bought reviews. Thank you for all the people buying tickets for both the autumn and the spring leg of Taking Liberties. It's just been a really fun show to do. And with the news changing, you know, the show's going to tweak a little bit as well. And uh, yeah, exciting times, man. Let's just hope that this election thing is definitely happening. And I will check in with you again in another couple of weeks with another episode of What Most People Think. Most people think.